0: All right, so um, we're going to get into Judges. It looks like several folks are in here from Joshua. I see a couple new faces. But um, so we're going to kind of start out with um, a recap. And just kind of those of you that just came off of Joshua can help uh, those that haven't with kind of the summary. So we're going to do that in just a minute Um and uh, do a little bit of introductory uh, material Um, and obviously Tommy's going to be I think covering most of the class and uh, I'll be filling in for him uh, or whenever he lets me teach so um, which after the first two classes may not be ever again but um, so uh, obviously I don't have the entire Bible on total recall like Tommy Uh, so I will probably have a little bit different uh, philosophy of study in this class uh, than Tommy does but um, we will together I I feel like these are opportunities for us to dig into the word and uh, educate ourselves. Um, If I have to do all the studying for you it's not going to help you as much as you having these moments yourself. So um, so we're going to, uh, again, start with some introductory material and then uh, we'll get hopefully into chapter 1. We might be able to finish chapter 1 uh, today. So um, any, any questions or anything? All right, let's say a prayer and then we'll get started. Holy God, our Father, we recognize you as our one true deliverer, our one true salvation. Uh, we thank you for leaving for us all the stories and all of the happenings of our uh, ancestors. And we, we thank you that we have uh, them for an example to teach us, uh, to instruct us, uh, to give us hope, uh, and uh, to remind us of the plan that you um, so wisely uh, and provincially uh, set laid out throughout history, and we thank you for uh, preserving the scriptures so that we might be able to benefit from them. We pray, God, that you'll bless us and give us um, uh, wisdom today from, from, from your spirit uh, and help us to discern more each day and know more about you. We are mindful of those many that are suffering um, uh, from sickness. We pray that you heal them. Uh, Those that are suffering with uh, life's tragedies uh, today, especially uh, the Kincaid family, and pray that you um, give them comfort and help them to turn to you in their time of sorrow. Uh, And we we pray for all those who are suffering uh, because of the gospel, uh, because of uh, their faith. And we pray that you would give them strength and help them to remember that you are their salvation Uh, and that you will raise up a Deliverer, uh, and you have in your Son. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, I do have a few kind of um, trivial pieces of information that maybe aren't so trivial, uh, but just kind of to ease into it. um, Does anybody know or have a guess as to who would have written the book of the Judges? I guess it was Moses. Uh, probably not Moses. <laughs> probably not, probably not so. Moses. Yeah, Samuel. Yeah, maybe Samuel. That's that's probably the best guess. We're in good company for not really being confident on that because um, there's not a whole lot that we can gather from that. But as we'll see when we get to the timeline in just a minute, we'll see why Samuel is, is as good a guess as any. Um, so, uh, then so let's ask that question: When could when would this have been written? Uh, there are two passages in Judges um, that key us into the timing. Uh, one is uh, Judges eighteen verse thirty one. Um, if you want to look at that, chapter eighteen verse thirty one says that. Um, they continued to use the idol Micah had made until the time the house of God was in Shiloh. So, if you're writing, they did that until, as long as the house of God was in Shiloh, then you kind of have the feeling that okay, well, this must be, he must be writing this with the view of after Shiloh. Uh, that's a little bit of a speculation, but. If you were to say, as long as we lived in the settlement, we did, we had this car, right? You would probably assume that I don't, I no longer live in the settlement um, from that perspective. So it sounds like it was after Shiloh. So now, when was the? What the?
1: Yeah. What translation was that?
0: This is the NIV. Okay. What do you have?
1: I've got the New American Standard. It mm-hmm. says, so they set up for themselves Micah's graven image, which he had made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh.
0: Right. They set it up, and it was used all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. Right. He
2: says all to. He said until.
0: Okay. All the time the house of God was in Shiloh okay. is the way this... Okay. I might you have. Said, you said until. Okay. okay. Gotcha. That's why. Yeah. All the time the okay. house of God was in Shiloh, they used this idol that Micah had made. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I think. That, that was a. I think your version jives with mine. Good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. Good. Error. <laughs> yes. My error. There will be many of those. I'm just. This is just to keep you on your toes. That was good kid. <laughs> um, David gets one point. We'll keep okay. score. And we'll have a winner at the end. So, uh, so, I think we're back on the same page there. Yeah, yeah. So, while the during while the house of God was at Shiloh, when was it removed from Shiloh? Anybody know that? Trivia. I've got a footnote
2: that says the Israelites took it up against the Philistines and they casted it.
0: Right. And that will be 1 Samuel 4. So, they take the ark... Away from Shiloh to defeat the Philistines and it's captured and it doesn't return to Shiloh. So if that's our Judges was written after this mark, it's after that time. Sometime Samuel, uh, when Samuel was alive, right? So written after that. So that's the after. Now there's also a before in Judges 1 verse 21. It says, the Benjamites, however, did not drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the Benjamites. Is that what your version says? (laughs) Okay, so, do the Jebusites live in Jerusalem today? Shake your head this way. No, they don't. When were the Jebusites removed from Jerusalem? David right? David drives them out and the Jebusites are no longer in Jerusalem the Israelites live in Jerusalem. So this says to this day so we know that it the judges was not written after uh, David so sometime between Samuel and the house being at Shiloh sometime after that but before, the Jebusites are no longer in Jerusalem. Clearly because this is written to this very day. And we know that that couldn't have been after David. So Samuel is a pretty good guess as to when this book was written. Sometime after Samuel. But before David drove out the Jebusites from Jerusalem. Um, so with that in mind. So during the time of Judges. do you Are you... Aware of any contemporary literature to this time.
3: Ruth?
0: Right, read read Ruth one one. So it's the very next book. (laughs) Who's got Ruth one verse one? Out loud if you and please. And how it came about
1: in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons.
0: Okay, so Ruth happened during the time that the judges ruled. So, kind of interesting. And uh, remember that famine. Um, I have that somewhere in my notes. Um but um, oh, I know where it is. Yeah, we'll get there in just a second. Um, so Ruth would have been contemporary, so we can kind of see what's going on during the time of Judges by reading Ruth uh, and get some insight there. Uh, so that I thought that was interesting. Um, so if we're gonna um, let's talk about the timeline of the book. Now this is the source of. Much debate, and we'll we'll um, we'll look at this a little bit more in just a minute. But just how all of these events line up with Joshua and with um, other scriptures, um, if you remember, um, well, if you look at the pattern, there's like there are this many years of oppression, and then this many years of rest. So you think, oh, well, then we can take. This many years of oppression, plus this many years of rest, plus this many years of oppression. Add it all up, and what do you get? You get around 410 years. But Samuel, I think it's Samuel that says uh, in 1 Kings 6.1, Oh, no, in the days of Solomon's fourth year was 480 years after leaving Egypt. So, if you've got 410 years of Judges, within 480 years between Egypt and Solomon, there's a lot that's got to happen in 70 years, including 40 years wandering in the wilderness, right? So, there's a lot that has to happen. Um, So, the conclusion is probably these Judges would have been in different areas Serving some, some of the different people fighting off different nations in different locations throughout the land and that there's probably some overlap with that um, also as we'll see uh, in a little bit later um, I'm not so sure that some of these things didn't happen while Joshua was alive and that this is not a perfect chronological picture um, and again I'll prove that point in just a minute um, so, the moral of that story is: if you were to say, "What's the timeline of all this? Can we put this on a on a timeline and mark everybody out?" Um, there's there's some question on exactly if there's some overlap there, um, and so we'll save that question. We'll ask Tommy when he returns, okay? <laughs> and we'll make him answer that question. In fact, I've got a I've got my. Um, uh, tablet here for all the questions we're going to ask Tommy when he returns. (laughs) So uh, that's already on here and we'll add lots more to that as we go. So um, all right, Two more things. So if we were going to outline the book, I've got it up here. Chapter 1 through 3 verse 6 is kind of introductory material uh, and it kind of has a big picture and it talks about stuff that happens all throughout the book. Um, the next, chapter 3, verse 7 through the end of chapter 16, is the stories of the judges. And you see um, what happened, um, how long they were uh, judge, and, and what that looked like. Then starting in chapter 17, uh, there's this phrase that is occurs four times in this section. And it says, there was no king. In Israel, um, and it starts out with, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And then the last verse in the book is, "In those days Israel had no king; everyone did as they saw fit." So this section is book-ended with, um, "There was no king; everybody did what was right in their own eyes." So, um, so that's kind of the outline if you were to to sketch it out. Okay, a couple more things, and then I'll... uh, We'll get into some more... um, Some deeper thoughts. So... um, So let's talk about the setting. So this is where you, the folks that were in the Joshua class... Help me out with what has how would you summarize Joshua and all the events during that book uh, that, that would lead us up to where we are? And I'm gonna just kinda list some things here. So this is where you provide input. What are some of the themes, Sarah?
2: So I mean they've come out of Egypt. They've done, done their wandering, they have entered into the land, and they have, for the most part, conquered the land.
0: All right. Conquered, for the most part. Okay. Both, both both
2: the tribes on the east and the west side of, of the Jordan have been established in their places. So okay. Okay.
0: The land borders have been set. Good? How else would we describe the, the setting? They served God during that time. Okay, good. Good. Yeah, they, they served God, boy.
4: Joshua twenty-four thirty-one kind of sums up to uh, the book of Joshua. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that survived Joshua and had known all the deeds of the Lord which he had done for Israel
0: good they knew the deeds of the Lord that he had done for Israel good any other sweeping themes from Joshua that kind of Help us to set the context for the next.
2: I also like um, Joshua 23, the end of verse 14. It says, Not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you, and all have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed.
0: Right. Good. Yeah, God was was faithful. Everything he said he would do, he did. Good.
2: And, And as was mentioned many times in the Joshua class, god was the central character of joshua and the and i think you could go so far as to say that god was the central character in their lives during the book of joshua that it's whatever they're doing it come it kept coming back to god in one way or the other even when they did something stupid um it they came back and that's where it was at and yeah
0: good good Maybe individual disobedience, like Achan, but that's corrected and put back on course. Good. They
1: had one leader throughout the book of Joshua.
0: Ah, yes. Right? So we're stepping forward with one leader. Paul? You also get
3: rumblings that they didn't completely drive out the people of the land in chapters 15, 16, and 17. Yeah. Um, while God had given them rest, you still see underlying currents of potential future issues
0: because they did not
3: completely obey God?
0: Yeah. This says undercurrents of incompleteness. Because I know you can't read that. There's a
2: reason I said that part.
0: Right. Good. So, let me ask this question. From if you're coming off of Joshua, what do you kind of expect? And I don't know if you can put what you know about Judges out of your mind, but what would you expect to happen? Uh, let me add one thing to this: um, be strong and courageous, right? And what what is Josh? What question is Joshua most famous for?
2: Choose this day who you will serve.
0: Yes. Who will you, you? As for me and my house, we will serve, we will serve the Lord. And what does the whole nation reply? We will. We will. Yes. Right. So we will serve God. Right. Okay. So with that set up, what do you expect to move forward? If
2: things, if if yes, if things went the way they were supposed to and the people continued to pass on to the future generations this is what make known the deeds uh, of the lord among the people and all of that then you would expect that they would still have generally speaking they would still be following god there would be individual corrections of course that needed to be made but for the most part you would see them flourishing in the land and and having continually having rest and serving God and it's sunshines and flowers and little rainbows and right, maybe yeah. a unicorn. I don't know. Yeah,
0: maybe. That's where they ended. That's right. And judges. Um, yeah, good. So you would expect for oh, God delivered us and everything he says came true. And when we did slightly veer off course, he corrected us immediately. And we, Joshua said, we're going to serve God. You better choose this day who you will serve. And yes, we will serve God. We see what, what, the, what the pattern is. We will do it, right? That's, that's the expectation. Yeah, David, you had a thought?
1: It's the same expectation
0: I would have had as
1: they come out of Egypt. They see what all God has done. That suddenly, they're out from under this mighty power that had enslaved them. And when it looked like they were about to be destroyed by Pharaoh's army, they see the parting of the Red Sea, and the same those waters after they crossed then destroyed the Egyptian army. It's like our God can do anything, we should totally trust Him, but then they grumble, they complain. We don't have water, we don't have food, we don't have meat. And so, that makes me think
0: that what I would expect is probably not going to happen. Right, yeah. Uh, Instead, maybe um, expect the spiral. Like, what we actually saw was kind of this And you go, oh, okay, well, maybe they'll learn their lesson, but what ends up happening actually is more like this. They're just spiraling further and further out of control. Um, And what we saw was this up here that looked pretty mild um, in comparison. Um, And I think that's probably, uh, if we look a little bit closer, which we're about to, turn to Deuteronomy 6, I think we'll see this is what we should have expected. Let me point out just a couple things that um, that came to mind as I was preparing. Uh, and one of these things is something that I've always been baffled by um, in the warning and the prophecy. Um, Deuteronomy 6, you probably remember... Um, Verse 4, Moses talking about you need to teach these things to your children, right? When you walk by the way, uh, impress them on your children. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Okay? Look at what he says next. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers... To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you. A land with large, flourishing cities you didn't build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you didn't provide. Wells you did not dig. Vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Now listen. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Out of the land of slavery. Now, if... This were modern day, we would say Moses jinxed them. Like he called it. (laughs) He shouldn't have said that. He shouldn't have called them out because that's exactly what's going to happen now, right? Well, um, so I was listening to something totally unrelated to uh, Judges, and somebody mentioned this verse. Um, It was actually Ben Shapiro. Um, And I I I had this in, in mind. I was like, and it caught me. And. Deuteronomy 32. Turn over there. Here's another hint. Um, and just so, just just so you know, Ben Shapiro's favorite verse. Um, this would not be my favorite, but is 32 verse 15. Jeshurun, which literally means the upright one, and it's another name for Israel. Israel or Jeshurun grew fat and kicked, filled with food. They became heavy and sleek. They abandoned the God who made them and rejected the rock, their savior. They made him jealous with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. Now it goes on to say all the things they did to make God angry. And then what God did in return. And um, he says that he will send... Verse 24, here's where I've got my Ruth note. I will send wasting famine against them, consuming pestilence and deadly plague. So, why did uh, why did um, Naomi's family leave Israel? Because of famine, right? So, God did that. Now, the interesting thing about De- Deuteronomy 32 is this is Moses' song... That he's singing, reciting, it says in verse 30. But look at verse um, 7. "'Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. "'Ask your father, and he will tell you, your elders, and they will explain to you. "'When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, "'when he divided all mankind, he set up boundaries for the peoples "'according to the number of the sons of Israel. "'For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted inheritance.'" And then he says, in a desert land, he found him in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Verse 13, he made him ride on the heights of the land and fed him with the fruit of the field. He nourished him with honey from the rock and with oil from the flinty crag, with curds and milk from herd and flock, and with fattened lambs and goats, with choice rams of Bashan and the finest kernels of wheat. You drank the foaming blood of the grape. Jeshurun grew fat and kicked filled with food, they became heavy and sleek, and abandoned God who made them and rejected the rock of their Savior. Now, I had never noticed that. Yeah, Micah.
4: Which is interesting to think of that famine as being God's mercy and grace. Yes. On the people as a way of pulling back and remembering
2: what they should be leaning on and trusting in.
0: Right. It's hard to see that in the moment. But you, anyone who has children, you know that the reason I'm correcting and giving discipline here is not because I don't like this child, but out of an an abundance of love, I'm correcting them. And it's going to hurt them, it's going to hurt me, it's going to hurt everybody involved now, but Hebrews 12, it will produce fruit that we will share in His holiness, right? So what else did you notice from Deuteronomy 32, um, it would yeah, let me just leave it there. Anything that you noticed or that stood out to you as we venture into judges? So the thing that like, what what does that sound like to you? What is Moses' song about and those verses?
2: It could be a picture of judges. It could be a, the minor prophets over and over and
0: over again. Right? Yeah. This picture of I brought you, I blessed you, and then you got fat and kicked. And you rejected your salvation. Right? So, um, so does that come to pass? And here's where the heartbreaking thing for me in Judges chapter 2. Verse 10, it says, After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. This is Judges 2, verse 10. Uh, Joshua and his people, after they had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Um, So, jinx or no jinx, Moses' prophecy uh, and his warning was not heeded. It 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 only came true, right? So he warned them that they were going to go in this place with all these blessings, and that they might forget God because of all they have. They might get fat and kick the hand that fed them, right? Um, and that's that's kind of that's kind of sad. But for us, it, it's a teaching moment, right? It's a learning moment for us. Okay, any thoughts or anything? So I think that's this. Yeah, yeah, boy. I
4: can't help but with uh, thinking about Joshua twenty four nineteen. Joshua said to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he'll turn and do you harm, consume you after he has done good for you. Uh, so Joshua keeps warning them. They keep saying, "No, but we're going to serve the Lord." And yeah. Joshua knew that there were chances that he they they were not going to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It seems like he did because asking them saying, "Choose who choose this day whom you will serve." Kind of seems like it comes from out of left field when you read Joshua. Well, they I mean like they fought, they did what God said, they conquered all these people. They destroyed all of these nations why is Joshua asking who they're going to serve? Well, Well, they still have their foreign dollars. They still
4: have idols there.
0: Right. And um, I think also, (coughs) this this point here, they conquered for the most part. We're going to see a couple examples of that uh, in just a minute. Um, Okay. How are we doing on time?
2: We got a couple hours. Um, all right.
0: Um, so let's let's talk about the cycle just for a minute. Um, turn to Judges two, starting in verse eleven. If I could have uh, somebody read two through eleven through um, eighteen, and I want you to pay attention. I'm going to give you a couple minutes to come up with your own cycle. And try and forget those alliteration that you have learned in our spiritual heritage or whatever. Forget all that. Um, That's helpful. But today I want to actually take our steps of cycle straight from uh, the text. So, um, does somebody have two starting in verse 11? Okay, through 18.
2: Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them. And they bowed themselves down to them. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. So they forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreth. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had spoken, and as the Lord had sworn to them, so that they were severely distressed. Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they played the harlot after other gods, and bowed themselves down to them. They turned aside quickly from the way in which their fathers had walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do as their fathers. When the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed and afflicted them. One more. But it came about when the judge died that they would turn back and act more correctly than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not abandon their practices or their stubborn ways.
0: Okay, so um, think about from the text, what what is the cycle? Where does it start?
2: Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and certain the most.
0: Okay. Good. Anything you want to add on to that step, or anything that you noticed from the text about that? They they forsook God. Okay. Or abandoned.
1: Or abandoned. Mm-hmm. It's like a <laughs> translation? But yeah. I like both of those.
2: Good. and the gods that they served were among other gods that they served were the gods from among the gods of the people who were around them so those that they hadn't conquered entirely just like I don't know it said that somewhere yeah
0: mm-hmm. that was at the very end I think
1: um, I know, In, end. Well, verse 12 Says yeah, and followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them, kind of
0: in the middle of verse. 12. Yeah, good. So the evil they did was serving Baals, forsaking God, abandoning God, and going after the gods of the people. Good. Okay. Anything else about step one? I guess we can number these. They provoked God. They provoked God. Provoked God. Good. Okay. So. Let's let's go here with that. They provoked God. What? How else could you word the next step? Angered. Mhm. God became angry. What else? What else did you notice? delivered them in the hands of their enemies. Okay, so God gets angry and punishes or the way the text says it is he delivers to enemies. Good. What else did you notice about that?
2: Well, it is their enemies, but they're worshiping their gods. So... Oh, yeah. You know, it's kind of... Yeah. I, I don't know how um, to say that, but it's interesting that it calls them their enemies when they're following them.
3: It gives them what they want. Right. Good, yeah.
0: No, you can't read any of that. This says people whose gods they were serving. And Ryan said they basically he's giving them what they're asking for. They want to be like the people around them. So, um, as we know, the people around them, they just wage war against each other, don't they?
2: But wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against
0: them. Okay. Couldn't escape. God. Okay. Okay.
2: They were, uh, the people were severely distressed as a result of this punishment. They were, so Good. Sure that's another step, or sort of like, in there, yeah. Bit, yeah. Severely distressed.
0: Good. Severely distressed. God didn't just abandon them. Like, it says that he actively worked against them for their harm. Yes. Good. He delivers them to the, their enemies, but it's an active... What did you say? He actively... Um, actively worked against worked them. Worked against them. Active... Or opposition. Work against. Good, good, good sounds a lot like Romans 1, doesn't it? Right. Right. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I like the language that it uses in and it says, so that they can no longer stand against their enemies. Whereas before they've been
2: promised, I will let you stand against your enemies.
0: Yep. Good. You couldn't escape or stand against God and um they're enemies.
1: And you onto to that, God had told them all along, your enemies are stronger than you.
0: Right. It's not
1: about you and your strength. It's about me and what I'm doing for you. Good. And so, obviously when they forsake God, God forsakes them, and they get what their relative power, compared to their enemies,
0: would get them. Right. Good. Good. So without God, they're left without their secret weapon, and therefore completely weak against their stronger enemies. Alright. So then, what happens after, so they do evil, they provoke and anger God, God punishes them, then what? Then
2: the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered them.
0: Yep. a judge is raised up and delivers go ahead David uh,
1: before that if you look at the latter part of verse 18 where yeah. the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed and afflicted them so oh. they did call out to God Okay. and
0: as a result he raised up judges. Yeah, I think I think this is probably step five. And we'll go up here. Well, you can follow the numbers. <laughs> four, four, five. This is also math class. Um, so, pity on the people. Right? God has pity on the people. Um, and they groan to him. Right. Called out to him. Yeah, it probably should be reversed. They they call out, Right. and then God has pity on them. Right. Yeah. Good. Now, the the question is: the calling out is this repentance? Um. And we'll look as we go through. And again, this is this is the general cycle, and there are some things that we can observe. Uh, again this uh, from this introductory picture of hey this is what's going to happen for the rest of the book but we'll see are they repenting or are they just calling out in distress um, and God has pity on them so uh, I think that's an interesting interesting question that we can observe as we go through uh, When when do we see repentance do we see repentance in that what would repentance look like before we even start looking at this what would you say repentance should be?
2: They would, yeah, they would turn away from the bales and stop doing evil in that regard. They would no longer do things that would provoke God. So.
0: Right. They, you'd think repentance would look like destroying the gods, the baals, and worshiping only God.
2: It jumped out to me that when the judges are raised up, they're still disobeying. So they're still worshiping the idols in verse 17 during the time of the judges.
0: Good. They would not listen to their judges, but continue to prostitute themselves, is the way the NIV reads, and worship them. Right? So, delivers them. Um,
2: People don't listen. <laughs>
0: yeah, while disobedient. It's interesting. And uh, speaking of Romans, reminds me of a Romans passage. While you were sinners, Christ died for you. Right? Christ, God had pity on us even before we, we repented and sent a Savior. Yeah, well I have a question. Okay, I'll get my... In Notebook I- out for Tommy.
3: NIV as well. So, at the end of verse 15, where it says they were in great distress, then verse 16 starts, then the Lord raised up judges. So, had they cried out at that time, or was God already having pity on them?
0: Good, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
3: And it goes on to say, then the uh, the Lord raised up judges to save them out of the hands of of these raiders. Then he talks about they wouldn't listen to the judges. So
0: right, good, good point. Yeah. All right, that bell's a couple hours early, but we'll listen to it. Um, Okay, and then uh, judges are raised up. Now, what else do you see in the pattern?
2: They deliver they were delivered all the days of the judge of that judge and then when it came about when the judge died that they would turn back and act more correctly than their fathers.
0: The judge dies and they revert to their disobedience. Which then takes us back to step one and there's the cycle right so we've got the spiraling out of control
1: verse 19 also says uh, and act more corruptly than their fathers so it's like each time when they revert to evil it's even worse than the time before
0: which makes sense because even the judges become Less and less ideal. Uh, ideal. <laughs> you get to Samson, and you're like, "This is who God sent." Wow, like this is the best they had. Yeah, Lloyd.
3: I want to point out real quick this yeah. uh, Jesus reference that yeah. I see, and I'm kind of going back in Deuteronomy 32 or 15, yes. that verse you quoted. And again, he abandoned the God who made him and rejected the rock. Yes. so that
0: seems to be Jesus. The cornerstone. Good good observation, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, any Anything else you notice from the cycle? And I, I know I'm doing that early. We probably should have saved that for chapter 2. But um, I feel like just to kind of get us going, um, we kind of need to see that, that cycle because uh, we're going to see it right off the bat here. Okay. Um, right, based on what it yeah. says
1: about how
2: they
0: just continued in disobedience even during the life of the judge. And, um, it seems like the judges were just you know delaying the inevitable downward spiral more than like you know, making an upward spiral. Um, right. Delaying is one way to view it, but think about it also, a mercy. Like Here's your opportunity. God sent a a savior. Are you going to follow him or are you going to crucify him? Right? And then
3: it becomes the practical question for us. Do we see the same thing and are we doing the same thing?
0: Right. Does God send us a mercy and go, hey, I've just helped you out of this problem that you put yourself in. Are you going to Take that mercy and show gratitude by the life that you live, or are you going to be even worse? And it's, I just think that's, I marvel at how God takes even sin and uses it to the consequences of sin to try and correct us. Like God can even use rebellion against Him. As an attempt to bring you back, that's that's how God works, and that that to me is so powerful. And you see, you see it in the the cycle of the judges, like, oh, I'm going to use this to show you how powerful I am, and it's going to be up to you. Yeah. I was thinking in verse 17 there in Judges 2, um, when he says they turned aside quickly from the way in which their
2: fathers had walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. Um, that kind of goes back to that beginning part of Deuteronomy 6 where he says to teach their children. Yes. So that, that responsibility again of the parents teaching the children and the children not just accepting it, but having their own faith and seeing the things that their parents are teaching them.
0: Um, Certainly, so, yeah. Yep. There was a breakdown, for sure.
3: That, that connection that someone made to Romans 1, um, you really see a
0: lack of gratitude, um, which Paul emphasizes kind of the root of all of these ugly problems. Um, I, that, that always kind of struck me, that like really is gratitude really the problem here? There's a lot more going on than just the lack of gratitude. But um, I can see how that could be what fuels this. Like
3: if they were more grateful for what God had given them and what he delivered them,
0: right good All right I think that's the bell two hours early <laughs> but uh, so read through judges chapter one. we'll go over that. This will be our method I I uh, will read it. I will ask for you guys to narrate or summarize what we just read just so we can get everybody's just kind of get that going through your head if you can spit it back out. I've always heard that means you know it. Uh, and then we'll see what we've noticed and observed. Pick out the little things that, st- that stood out to you this time. Um, what does that remind you of? Like our Romans reminders? And, man, I wonder this, and ask some questions. So um, make sure you read through Judges 1. We'll, we'll read it quickly at the beginning of next class and uh, see what we can pull out of it. Thanks.